If there is any song that fully encompasses living in Nashville, Tennessee, is that not it? I feel like somewhere like Ricky Skaggs' ears is burning, you know, like I don't know. Uh, I just love that song. I love to hear Anna uh, lead us in that song, and it's just such a fitting song for today as this uh, lesson unfolds. You'll kind of see why, but I uh, just want to welcome you guys. My name is Jason, I'm lead pastor here, and just want to say hello and Welcome into our space today, but welcome into the presence of God, and not that he wasn't in the parking lot or in your house, but in, in this room, we want to intentionally seek that today, and we're glad that you're here uh, for that. I want to tell you one quick thing. Today's kind of a big day for us. We uh, begin our house group season. Some groups run all year long, and, and uh, then we do some others in, in kind of concentrated seasons, and today starts that. So some will meet today, some will meet throughout the week, some will start next week. But if you're not in a house group and you would like to be, or you just want to know more about what it's uh, all about, just go out to the, 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 the uh, lobby and, and find that house group banner, and Leanne and her team will tell you everything you need to know, including what nights and where and what the demographics and everything else that you need to know to make a decision to get into a house group. Uh, another thing that we do here, if you're a partner here, you know this, um, we believe that worship uh, is, is exercised in our giving as well, and so if you haven't had a chance to give today, one of the things about uh, Wellhouses, and if you've been around for a minute, uh, you know this, we love to be wildly generous in our community, we love to just give away of our time and our energy and our, our resources, our money, and uh, one of the ways that we do that is when our partners also exercise wild generosity, and so there's red give boxes, you can also do that online today, but would uh, we want to let you know that that is also part of our worship today as well. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to begin to dive into the chase, uh, part two. Father, we just pray that in these next few minutes that you will, uh, you will empower me to speak boldly on your behalf, and then that you will empower us as listeners to receive what it is that you have uh, laid out for us today. So Father, as, as both the speaker and, and a listener today, I want to I want to tune in to what it is that you're, you're still continuing to speak to me, even though I've prepped this all week, that, God, you're still uh, speaking in the moment. And so, Father, I pray that I follow those promptings. And then for those that are hearing it from their seats, that, God, it would stir them, it would minister to them, it would uh, cause breakthrough or healing, or it would just uh, cause a, a, a journey where that they can begin to trust and have faith beyond what they feel like they can at the moment. And so, Father, there's a lot that can happen this morning. And you can make it all happen. And so we just pray that you do what it is through the Spirit. And that, God, you would, again, minister to each of us through your word this morning. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. Uh, I know that this is an obvious question, but uh, how many of you have experienced an up and a down this week? An up moment and a down moment. Anybody? We have these moments, right? And so to kind of illustrate this, starting out of the gate, I had one of these big ups and downs a couple of years ago, 2017. I had a friend of mine call me, and he said, hey, man, do you want to go to Memphis? And I'm like, no, who wants to go to Memphis, right? I mean, like, is there something else, or you just want to know if I want to go to Memphis? He goes, no, I've got, uh, I've got a couple of tickets to the regional finals. We're talking about NCAA basketball, and UK, which is my team. I'm a Kentucky fan. Uh, I think that's why I resonate with that song so well. It's just that Eastern Kentucky coming out in me. But, um, and they were playing North Carolina. Well, anytime you, UK and UNC get on the same court, 
it's a special moment, but especially when the final four is on the line. So whoever wins this game is going to go on to the final four the next weekend. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind making that trip. And it's been a while since I've seen either of those teams play, especially play each other. So it was worth the drive down. So we go down, we get to the FedEx Forum and have great seats. We're kind of taking it in. And the crowd's really kind of 60-40. A lot of UK fans there, but everybody who's not a UK fan is a UNC fan. That's just the way it rolls when you're part of Big Blue Nation. And so we're kind of feeling the vibe of the crowd. And, and, you know, it's just this moment where you can feel the energy. You know what's at stake. You know that whoever wins this game is going to be put into a massive uh, national spotlight the next week in the Final Four. And so we're watching this game unfold. And as the second half goes, goes, it's getting down to crunch time, and UK is down. And, you know, and you're just feeling this kind of weight as a fan going, I just, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. And so with about 14 seconds to go, UK is down three with the ball. They come down, and Malik Monk, who curls off of a screen, grabs the ball, shoots a three, and it goes in. 7.2 seconds left. UK has tied it up. So all you got to do is play defense. But here's the moment. When that shot goes in, there wasn't anyone sitting in the place. Didn't matter what color you had on. You were either standing because you wanted to make sure you saw it, or as a UK fan, I'm standing and I'm high-fiving people I don't know. It's this, this moment where you're thinking, we have dug ourselves out of this hole. Now we have a shot at winning this game. UNC chooses not to, to call a timeout. They throw the ball straight back in. They come down. There's a pass off to a guy named Luke May. And Luke pulls up and drains about a 15-foot jump shot with .3 seconds left, putting them up two. And all I knew to do was to fall back in my seat. Because if you're a basketball fan, you know that with .3 seconds left, there's nothing you can do. You don't have time for a catch and a shot. That's pretty much it. And I remember that moment where literally 6.8 seconds earlier, it could not have been any more exhilarating. And in 6.8 seconds, it could not have been any more deflating. And I sat there and I watched in complete disbelief at what I saw. I had a high moment and a low moment, and it switched as quick as you can tick off 6.8 seconds. In this series, we uh, are talking about what we chase, but we're also talking about what chases us. And our motto throughout the series is going to be this. It's going to be, don't get got meaning don't get to that place to find something counterfeit that you've been working so hard for. And then you get it, and you were got. But also, as you evaluate what it is that matters and what's chasing you and who are you trusting and what are you following when it comes to what is chasing you, don't get got. Don't let it catch up with you. And so life happens, and it's these moments where you just feel like you are being chased down. You feel like, you know, I've been hunted down. Has anybody felt like that this week? You just feel like that there is something that is lurking in the background that is hunting you down. That It's this moment where you feel beat down, you feel defeated, you feel deflated. You're on the verge of running out of steam. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? It's that moment where you just go, I'm just not sure this is ever going to end. And I know this, 
I'm not sure how much longer I can continue to run from it because I'm about to throw in the towel. And the truth of the life of life is this. Every time that you're on a mountaintop, you will in some time, quick or, or, or a little ways out, you will be chased off of that spot. You're like, you know, man, it wasn't too long ago. Just recently, it wasn't, but just a few weeks ago, man, I, I was living life high. I couldn't be in a better spot. Now, all of a sudden, six days go by, 6.8 days go by. What has happened? How did I get chased off the mountaintop? How did I get chased off the spot where my faith was growing and thriving? How did I get chased off the spot where everything was clicking where in one moment, man, God was showing himself evident and, and everything was happening and it seemed to be I was, was in tune and, and all of a sudden something happens and I was chased off the spot of trust. Now I've got these doubts. I wasn't even considering these doubts. Last week, yesterday, last month, last season, and now all of a sudden I'm wrestling with these things. I'm on the run. There was a guy named Elijah who, this was his life. We talked about Elijah in the last series briefly, and so I want to go back and revisit Elijah for just a second this morning. This is what's happening in the life of Elijah. In 1 Kings 18 and 19, there's this man known as Elijah. He's a prophet of God. He speaks on behalf of God to Israel, trying to get them to repent and turn and, and kind of get back in line. And he's, he's kind of telling them, like, listen, you're being chased off the mark. So there's this moment in 1 Kings 18 where he experiences this, this massive victory. So at that time, there was a, a primary god named Baal. And there was lots of people that had given their life and their worship and their adoration and their trust over to Baal. And so Baal had its ministers and priests and prophets. And, and so there came this showdown between Elijah, who serves the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, and, and the prophets of Baal. And so they're trying to decide which one is the real God, which one is, is worth chasing. And so they have this moment where Elijah says, I tell you what, gather up all your prophets. I'm here by myself. I'm going to run solo on this. He says, but gather up all your prophets and we'll have a showdown on Mount Carmel. And so they get together and he says, here's what we're going to do. You build an idol and I'll build an idol. Or an altar, not an idol. And so they build these, these altars. And he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray to our God to send fire to light the altars. He says, and you can go first. So they build their altar, and they begin to pray for Baal. Baal, light the altar. Show your glory. Give us this display of your power, and nothing happens. Some more time passes. Nothing happens. So Elijah begins to kind of... Uh, I love Elijah because he's a little bit sarcastic like I am. He says, maybe Baal's asleep and can't hear you. Maybe if you, you know, shout louder, and so they shout louder. You know, maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he's on vacay, right? And so they begin to pray louder, and nothing happens. And so then Elijah steps forward and says, now, let me show you how it's done. So he takes 12 stones, and he builds an altar, 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says, dig a trench around it. So the people dig a trench. And he says, see those jars, those, those buckets? Fill them with water and dump it on the altar. Meanwhile, he's cutting up the sacrifice and he lays it on top of the altar. So they fill 
this altar with water and it runs down the stones. He says, fill them again. So they fill them a second time and he dumps these buckets of water. He says, fill them again. The third time, it says that there's so much water at this point saturating the wood and the stone that it actually goes into the water had filled the trench. And he says, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, show your power. And it says that in a moment that fire came from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, it consumed the altar, and it said it licked up, it dried up the water that was in the trench. What a moment. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if God sends fire this afternoon at my house, I'm in. I'm in. Then we go from that moment, he sees a second victory. This is the one we talked about a few weeks ago. He'd been praying for rain because they were in a famine. famine. So right after this moment where God has just sent fire, he sees a cloud coming from out in the sea. He says it's a cloud that was the size of a man's hand. That cloud turns into a thunderstorm. That thunderstorm brings rain because they had been praying, and Elijah knew in faith that rain would come if asked in faith. And it did. And so again, God shows out in this moment. So here's, here's what I'm asking in this. Can it get any better? You want to talk about a mountaintop experience? It would have been this moment where God has been so evident in the life of Elijah that, that is there anything that could have happened in the life of Elijah that would give him any more reason to trust any more than he would have at that moment. God had just brought fire and thunder. I've been there. I've been in these moments where God has been so evident in my life. I've been, and you probably have experienced these moments, these mountaintop moments where it is undeniable. That's God. Oh, I see it clear. That is God. That is an answer to my prayer. That is, that is an impossibility that was made possible. Something came through. There was a diagnosis that changed, a job that came just at the right timing, a relationship that has been such a blessing. There has, your kids somehow started acting right. There was moments where you go, that wouldn't happen if God was not in this. I've had these moments. They're faith-building moments where I've seen God at work, and as a result of that, seeing kind of his fire, I'm on fire. It's these moments where I feel like, you know what, I can conquer anything because I've seen God conquer what I thought was impossible just a moment before. It's this moment where you just feel bulletproof. There is nothing that can take you down. But here's the thing, those never last. Those moments never last. And if you're like me, it's like, well, has my faith dropped off? Is it something I've done? No, it's life. Life chases us off those spots. It chases us off those levels of faith. The world, Satan, he just has a way of, of chasing us to a different spot very quickly. It, it, it seems like sometimes it's, it's in the next, I mean, for Elijah, it was the next breath. For me, I can remember being in some of those spots and it just seems like in the next moment, the next phone call, the next day, 
the next week, the next season, I have moved to a different place than I was, and I don't like the place that I'm in now. And so Elijah is coming off these two undeniable moments, these moments where, again, we would like to think that if I had just seen God set fire to soaking wet wood, and I had seen God give us a storm that we've been praying for because of a three-year famine, I'd like to think that I would say, God, I will never doubt you again, but we do. We do. So here's the moment that follows. Follows the fire and follows the rain. Ahab, who's king, goes back and he tells his wife Jezebel, you'll never believe what happened. You're never going to believe these things are unbelievable what I just witnessed. Now, you would think that if I had witnessed this as a non-believer, you would go, what? Hey, something to that. His God must be God. Well, you know what? Sound the horns. We are going to, we're going to bow down. We're, we're, you know, we're going to reverse everything, this whole bell thing. We, we, we need to get everybody in line. We need to make sure that everybody knows and hears this amazing story of the God of Israel. And that's not what happened. Jezebel responds with this. Jezebel says, may the gods deal with you ever so severely, Elijah. She says, by the end of the day, I will see that you are like one of your ancestors, meaning dead. She puts a hit out on him. Now, I'm going to pretend to be something I'm not. I've just seen, again, I've seen wood set on fire. I've seen rain. If I'm Elijah in that moment, I think I say something like this. Bring it, Jesse. Bring it. Did you not just see what my God did? Oh, he brought the fire and the thunder. Bring it. Bring it. Now, if my wife was in here this morning, she's back in kids, she would say, no, you wouldn't, Jason. You get scared every time the air conditioner kicks on and pulls the door shut. You're like up checking all the closets in the middle of the night. It's true. We scare easily, don't we? We get ran off the spot easily. But not Elijah, right? If you haven't, if you haven't read this story, I mean, you've got to be questioning at this point. Like, there's no way. I mean, Elijah's a prophet, a man of God who's just witnessed these things. But he does what we do. He runs. And he runs. And he runs. And he feels the threat of Jezebel closing in. He's being chased, and he runs, and he runs, and he runs until physically he is out of steam and emotionally drained. I imagine that on the whole run as he's running, mentally he's 
playing in his mind the worst-case scenarios. This is it. I I didn't think it was going to end this way. If I can run fast enough, if I can hide out long enough, then she'll forget about it. She'll move on to something else. Maybe, you know, maybe she'll die. You know, I don't know. He's he's playing these, but that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And so he's replaying what he thinks is going to happen, these worst-case scenarios, and it says that he runs to the point of exhaustion. It's the same thing I do. I run and I run and I run till I'm emotionally, spiritually exhausted, and shortly after that, physical exhaustion. So then it comes to a head. In verse 4, look at this. It says, he came to a broom brush, bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Listen to what he says. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors, it says. And then verse 5 says, he laid down under the tree and fell asleep. Here's his response. I have had enough. God, I'm done. I am done. I am better off dead than continuing to live like this, Lord. I'm done. Now, I told you I've been on those mountain peak moments where I look and go, that is undeniably the work of God. But I'm telling you, I've been right here too. I've been right here. You know, one of the things is, as your pastor I want to do is I want to be transparent. And I'm telling you, I, 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 I venture into these places occasionally. These places where you go, God, I, I'm done. I don't have anything left. I'm empty. I'm running on steam. In fact, you know, the steam is beginning to, to, to disappear as vapor. God, I'm done. I'm done. I'm empty. I don't have anything left. I'm done. How about you? You've been in these places? But I love what God does. In the very next scene, God does something that displays the gentle character of caring. I love what God does in the life of Elijah. Look at what it says. It says an angel. So, so God sends an angel, and, he, and it says it touched him and said, get up and eat. And he says, he looked around, and, and, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank, and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is long. Too much for you. It's this moment where we get to see in, in this moment God through the angel. By sending these angels, God says, Elijah, Jason. I get it. I get it. This journey is too much for you at the moment. It's that moment where he says, I'm going to to minister to you. You know, I think some of us have an inaccurate view of God in these moments of frustration. I want you to notice something. God didn't fuss at Elijah. He didn't tap him on the shoulder and said, dude, did you just forget what went on? Dude, I thought you had better faith. You know what? In fact, I'm just going to pull your profit card. I need you to hand that over. I'm going to find somebody else who's a little bit stronger. God didn't, God didn't belittle him. God didn't say, well, how dare you, in the midst of me displaying my glory, doubt and get weak and fearful and ruled with anxiety. How dare you? 
He didn't scold him for being weak. He didn't get frustrated. He fed him. He fed him. God sent someone to, to minister to him physically and emotionally and spiritually. See, God understands. God gets it when we get into these places of exhaustion. God says, I get it. I get it. And so Elijah rested physically. But he's still restless emotionally and spiritually, and so he continues to run. You'd like to think again, now I've seen fire. I've seen rain clouds come out of nowhere. And I saw bread being baked over the coals by an angel. You would think it would begin to click, but it doesn't. So he continues to run. And he runs for 40 days, and he ends up holed up in a cave outside of Horm. And God finally speaks to him and says, Elijah, why are you holed up in this cave? He says, what are you doing here? And so Elijah begins to again do what I do. I begin to plead my case. Elijah says, well, I have been very zealous for the Lord God. God, you know I've been zealous for you. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They have torn down your altars. And they put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah says, listen, God, I've been trying to do everything right for you. I have gone out of my way. I've watched friends and, and, and other prophets. I've watched people be killed. And I've continued to stand in the gap. And I've done it, it says, zealously. I've been excited, I've been passionate. I've been fired up, God. And look where it got me. I mean, is this the best there is? I mean, God, I mean, what do you mean what am I doing here? And again, God is so patient. Here's what God says. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by you. In another moment when God should have said, listen, either shape up or I'm going to find somebody else. God says, hey, let's meet up. Let's meet up. Let's hang out for a second. God is so patient. And so Elijah goes out to the mouth of the cave on the mountain. And he's waiting. He's anticipating God to come. It's this moment where he's like, what else do I got to have to lose? I mean, if God says, come, I'm going to come. I want to be. In fact, maybe I need to be in the presence of God. And so he goes, and it says that he's waiting, and he's anticipating the movement, the presence of God to come and inhabit that place. And as he's waiting, it says that a powerful wind ripped through the mountain, so much so that it, it shattered rocks, creating a, a landslide effect, I guess. And Elijah braces himself and says, oh, the presence of the Lord is here. And the wind dies down, and it wasn't the Lord. And then it says that an earthquake shook the ground, and, and Elijah at this moment has got to go, this is it. Here comes the presence of the Lord. It says that it, the Lord wasn't found in the earthquake. And then there was a fire that broke out, and Elijah's like, this has got to be the moment. I'm anticipating. I need. I'm thirsty. I'm longing for. I'm out. I'm done. I'm on zero. God, I need your presence. And he begins to look into the fire, and the presence of the Lord is not there. 
And then after the fire, it says, and I love this, it says that there was a, a gentle, still voice. In fact, some translation says it was like a, a whisper. And at that moment, Elijah knew. It says that he covered his face because he knew that this was the presence of the Lord. And he stood at the mouth of that cave where he had been hiding out in awe and wonder of the Lord's presence. He knew that this was an undeniable moment and he was completely locked in because he had nowhere else to run. And so God began to, to talk and he asked him the same question. He says, Elijah, what are, you, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And it's, you know, Elijah begins to plead his case again. I mean, God, are you like, are you deaf? I already told, like, I've been very zealous for you, blah, blah, blah. He's going through the whole thing again. And here's what God says, and this is so pivotal. God says, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. Text doesn't say it, but I gotta imagine that Elijah at least thought it if he didn't say it. That's <laughs> good, God. It's good. It's good. You do realize, God, that's where the threat is. Why in the world would I go back the way I came? That's where danger is. That's where Jezebel is. That's where my impending death will be will be met. Why in the world would I go back there? And God says, Go back the way you came. And here's why. Because, Elijah, you have unfinished business that you can't do standing here. So Elijah goes back. He begins to pick up where he left off, and he begins to mentor a guy named Elisha. He's proclaiming God's goodness, even being the odd man out, and he advances the kingdom. So, what a great story. But what does this mean for me? What's this mean for me? So as we kind of land this morning, I just want to tell you a few quick hit things that this is what this means for you. And, and, and I hope that you're in a place like I have been as I've kind of reviewed and looked back over this story where you go, I get this. Not only have I been in that moment, I'm in that moment. I'm in that moment. So let me give you a few things that, that, I, I just, that just popped off the pages at me, that just spoke to me, ministered to me this week. Number one, this, let it out. Let it out. I think sometimes we feel like we can't be honest with God, afraid that God's going to wag his finger. Let it out. The best thing you may do today is go, to, go home and put your face in a pillow or on a mountainside or out in your backyard where the neighbors will think you have lost your mind and just let it out. God, I have had enough. Confession is so healing. Because see, when, when Elijah says, I've had enough, what he does is he's, he's really relinquishing control there. I, I can't do anything else. It's that, that point of waving the white flag. Let it out. Go home and say, God, I can't handle this. <laughs> I don't want to go back there tomorrow. I don't want to deal any longer. I, I, I've had it, God. I've had enough. Let it out. Scream. 
But then, take a nap. I tried to find something that sounded way more theological there, more spiritual. Some of you just need to take a nap. Oh, we laugh, but you're like, can I amen this? Or you're, you're kind of bumping the person beside you. Like, you hear that? I'm taking a nap this afternoon. You can put the, the two stuff on hold. Pastor said, take a nap. I'm taking a nap. But let's be serious. Some of you just need to take a nap. Some of you need to rest up. You're tired. I don't know about you. I, I, I tend to think, say, and do stupid things when I'm tired. Am I the only one? The tireder I get, the stupider I get. Take a nap. I pray that you wake up to a home-cooked meal. But I know this. You know, the Old Testament text tells us that while we sleep, God sings over us. Take a nap. Let God refresh you through resting. We don't rest very well. We did a little wellness seminar this last, this last Tuesday with some of our staff and, and our, our leadership. And, and one of the things that we all admitted, we don't rest very well. We go, 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 go. Even in the name of Jesus, we go, 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 go. There's a reason that Sabbath is a part of God's law. There's a reason that Jesus constantly went to places where he could just rest and take a nap. I love that in that scene where the storm is brewed over the waters and Jesus is in the boat with his disciples and they're all going crazy. God, do you, oh my goodness, this thing's going to sink any minute. And you know where Jesus is? He says he's at the front of the boat sleeping. Take a nap. Third, just seek God's presence. Find a, a space. And find that space regularly and make that a holy space. A space that you don't take your phone to, you, you, you don't take your dogs to, you don't take your kids to. It could be in your house, it could be in a park. I don't know where you're, but, but just claim that space that, God, this is going to be holy space. It's a space that I'm going to come and intentionally seek God's presence. And it may not look like you think it should look, and it may not be what you expect. It may not be loud, it may not be flashy, it may not be all the bells and whistles, but don't panic. God will meet you in that place. Don't doubt, because again, when we set up these intentional spaces, and that's what God does for Elijah, he sets up an intentional space. I want you to go to a specific place, because in that place, I'm going to make, make known, I'm going to give the undeniable presence. And like I said, don't, don't, don't panic and don't doubt when God doesn't come in the big loud. It's going to be maybe in that small, still voice. But clue in, because I don't want you to miss what's in the small, still voice. Because in the small, still voice will come truth, will come reassurance that, Jason, you got this. We got this. That in that small, still voice will will come comfort and peace and, and trust if you trust him. A few weeks ago, I needed to, to just, I, I had to go seek the presence of, of the Lord. I, I just was at a place, this has probably been five weeks ago or so, and, 
you know, and I, I just, I, I, I had an afternoon, I'm going to be honest, where I told Laura, I said, I'm done, I, I'm spent, but I feel like I need to go and, and, and find a space. And so I went to church, and you're like, hold up, what do you mean you went to church? Like, don't you preach at a church? And Well, I go to church sometimes too. And so I went to, to, to a place, and, and I, just, I, I just said, God, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to try to find, I, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'm going to listen from everything to the, to the thunder, to the, to the small, still voices. And in that moment, because I was seeking, it came in a small, still voice. In fact, it was during announcements. It wasn't even in the main service. And the guy making the announcement was talking to a guy as if they were standing in the lobby, but it was in front of everybody. So it would be like, hey, Alan, how's your week been? You know, like it was this weird moment. And he began to speak a truth over him. And that whisper ended up about four sections over to me, and I went, there it is. There's the undeniable presence of God in this place that was meant for me. Not even spoken to me, but spoken about me. And the guy said this. He said, he said, Alan, he said, sometimes the best things in your life will happen at the same time the worst things in your life are happening. Trust God's timing. I went, whoa, there it is. And sometimes the best things in life will happen at the same time that the worst things in life are happening. Trust his timing. But if I don't go seeking that, I don't hear that. So some of you need to let it out, take a nap, seek God's presence. And then finally, as we wrap this up, some of you just need to turn and face what's chasing you. You need to go back the way you came. You're like, but, 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 but. there's a lot of pain back there. There's a lot of, that's a mess back there. I'm trying to get away from that. I don't trust back there. I don't trust who's back there. I don't think you, you understand what you're asking, Jason. I mean, to, 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 to go back, I, 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 I just, I don't know. Spoiler alert on the story of Elijah. The thing that uh, he thought, Jezebel, that would be the end all, that would kill him, it didn't. In fact, the Bible tells us Elijah never died. That God just, while he was living, just swooped him up, took him to heaven. He never even experienced death. And here's what I know is that rarely the thing that we think is going to kill us, rarely does it. Many times the big thing turns out to be the no thing, the nothing. But I know this, there's a couple of things about running and not facing. If, if you say, I can't, I can't go back the way I came. I can't. Let me just give you a couple of things that you need to know about that then. Number one is this, you'll never fully outrun it. You will not outrun it. It will linger it will gain and then it'll let off and it'll gain and there'll be seasons and moments where you go, I thought I'd death. When you run, you will never outrun it. And second, you'll never be able to fully embrace the mission that God has placed on your life when you're on the run. That's why he says to Elijah, why are you here? You can't, you can't live into what it is that I've called you to, you can't live into, you can't fully embrace what I have in store for you and for us and for the kingdom inside this cave. So you'll never outrun it, but you'll never be able to fully live into what God has, has in store for you. 
because you're not in the place that you're supposed to be. You've ran from the spot. You've been chased off the spot. I encountered this several years ago. I was making a move in ministry, and I was leaving a church, and, and it wasn't by my, my fault, but there had just been some real negative things that had happened at the church at the hands of the leadership, and, and I had gotten caught in some crossfire of it all, and I'm like, you know, listen, man, I'm a student pastor. I'm just trying to love kids. I'm trying to get teenagers through a really rough season of their life. Can I just be left out of this? You know, people always say, well, where are you at on it? Well, I'm not, I, don't, I don't take a position on things. And it had beaten us down and it had severed some relationships. And long story short, a year or so had passed. And I felt like God was calling me to a, a new place, a new, a new ministry to do bigger things and, or do different things, I should say. And, and, and I remember sitting in my living room in Old Hickory. And I had this, 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 this weight that said, deal Go, go back to go back the way you came. Deal with deal with it. Turn and face it. And I'd had a really ugly episode with a guy who was one of our leaders, our youth leaders at that time. And and even though he initiated it, it was still what flowed from me was not godly and it was not right. And God was so specific to me in that moment. He says, "Until you deal with this, you're not ready to step into what's next." I went, but God, he's not even going to be there. This kind of new church. He's not even, like he lives in Lebanon. It's not even on my side of town. And God says, until you deal with it, you'll never be fully ready to step into your new. You'll never be able to, to stand in front of, oh, it might be a different face, but you'll never be able to stand in front of youth leaders that are on your team and deal with them in integrity and, and deal with them in a mentoring relationship until you deal with something back here. I remember picking up the phone. I thought, this is going to be disastrous. I said, hey, Greg, this is Jason. So I'm just calling because I feel like the Lord has told me that if we don't reconcile this or if I don't offer to you reconciliation, that neither of us are going to be able to move on into what God has called us to next. And he said, you know, I can't tell you how many times I picked up the phone and wanted to call you and tell you the same thing. God has gone on to do some beautiful things in the life of both of us. Sometimes you just got to turn and face what's chasing you. Don't let it run you off the spot. Don't allow it to become a distraction, but don't allow it to become a detraction. If you will, stand with me. So many times, So many times what surfaces is, is this thought of, I don't, I, I know that, that running is not the right thing. I know that. But what, what overrides that is that I just want out of immediate danger. I just want out of the immediate threat. I just want out of the immediate, the immediate mood. I want out of the, the immediate negativity. I, I, I want out and I want out as quickly as I can. And so what happens is we, we, we run. We run. Can I just tell you, God will not always remove you from the situation. He won't always remove the situation from you. But he will always walk through it with you. I love that Elijah journeyed to the cave alone 
or at least he thought so. But I believe that he went back the way he came, fully knowing I am not alone in this moment. So this morning, I want to end with offering an opportunity for you to be prayed. I, I, I just, I sense, I know that there's somebody in this room that, that really kind of locked into that early moment when you said, I've had enough, and you go, that's all I've thought about for the last 20 minutes is that I'm right there. So we have some people at Respond Banner. I'm going to ask a couple of shepherds to come down here, and we're, we're going to do another song, but I want you to know that you can be prayed for and prayed over, that you can respond to just the let it, let it out part. That may be as far as you get today. But I want you to know that we're, you're in a place that is, is safe, that you're in a place that, that, that we believe that, that, that the beginning of, 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 of healing is just admitting that, you know what, I'm not in a good spot right now. I promise this, we won't try to fix your issues. Not today. We're just going to pray that God will begin to allow you to move into step two, and that's rest today. So if any moment in this song or now, if you want to go ahead and begin to seek that, we want you to know that there are people who, who have just been called and, and, and commissioned by God to, to just be shepherds, to pray and love and, and care for. If you're in a moment where you go, listen, I, I, I've got a little perspective now, but I'm scared to death to go back the way I came because that's going to be admitting some things or it's going to be dealing with someone who won't admit some things. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be long. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be messy. And I hear what you're saying that I may not be able to get to the next place in my life if I don't deal with something back here. I get it. I hear it. I, I even believe it. I know it to be true, but I'm paralyzed. I'm fearful. I don't have what it takes in my tank right now. And maybe that's where you need to be prayed for today. That God would give you the courage to know that you're not alone. That God would give you a voice of compassion, a voice of reason, a voice of forgiveness. So that when you walk back into the office or you walk back into your home, you walk back into school or you walk back into a relationship that's been a little rocky that you'll be able to say hey I don't know where you're at but I gotta tell you where I'm at and God has told me to turn and come back the way that I came so wherever you're at this morning we want you to know that we love you and that God loves you and there is nothing that you can do to outrun that love even when you're being chased. Father, this morning, we just pray your blessing on these people, on our lives, that God, we will be able to fully trust you. And we know that that's an impossibility because life is gonna chase us off that spot. But God, will you meet us in those places where we have fatigued ourselves, where we have exhausted ourselves running? Will you minister to us? Will you give us both the warm bread and the comfort and the peace of knowing that you're there, the gentle touch, but will you also give us the courage to face the challenge of going back from where we came? God, we, we proclaim the undeniable moments that we see you, but we also confess in the moments that we struggle to see you and we struggle to to trust you 
And I love, God, that you were patient in both of those moments. So God, show your glory. And God, bake some bread. Help us to rest. We pray this through your son's name.